0: How beautiful. Oh my goodness. Such joy in all of those faces, both the mothers and the children. So thank you, Pastor Jerry and Felicia, for compiling all of those, um, not just the beautiful pictures, but I don't know if we've had all the names on there as well, which I don't know if that was helpful for you all, but it was so great for me, as we've not been able to worship together um, for some time to see faces and names and um, even extended families, so thank you all so much. Um, I believe in giving flowers, as the old folks would say, give, um, give me my flowers while I yet live. And so I wanna just take a moment before we begin this morning's message, and I wanna give you flowers, Felicia. Um, because you mother all of the children of this church. And um, you mother children of all ages, because you've mothered and you do um, come alongside and mother my children. um, As the children matriculate through the children's ministry into youth ministry, you continue to mother them, and you nurture, and you give. And so I want to give you flowers and honor you today and tell you on behalf of our entire church as we watch this and we know we know that you're behind beautiful expressions like this especially as you've walked through such a hard season so thank you for loving our children and our families so well in this body amen And while we're on this side of eternity, we must give flowers, we must give honor. And I'm grateful in the house of God, as we are the body of Christ, that we can hold the joy that we saw through these families and, and these, you know, exuberant faces, so we can also hold grief. We can hold both, and we don't have to choose. And so I want to say for those for whom today is a day of grief and of sorrow, for those who long to be a mother or for those who, whose relationships with their mother is full of pain and trauma, or those whose mothers are no longer with them and they are feeling that pain today. Whether you are here in the sanctuary with us or you are taking this, this uh, church experience in online, we hold space for both joy and grief at the same time. And most importantly, our Lord does. So we want to acknowledge that in this space today. Well, I am grateful for this opportunity. I'm grateful that you all are family, that I can just come before you this morning and share the things that God has been simmering in my heart. And I know... Because I'm a recipient every week of the beautiful word that God uh, cooks up through my husband. I have so much respect, you know, when I have the opportunity or when, it, when any of you come before um, the sacred desk, you realize anew the work that it is to prepare the word of God, to give forth to the people of God. And so I honor you, my beautiful husband, for the beautiful work that you do. And as you have been taking us through this masterful series, Gleaning from the Garden, going back to go forward. I don't know about you all, but I have been gleaning so much from Genesis, you know, familiar passages that we have learned from the time we were children. And so today we are going to talk about Eve, the mother of all living. We're going to talk about her beginning that was full of good, So much good, more than we typically look at. And then we're going to look at her deception, which was full of pain. We're going to look at her calling, which was full of faith. And then we're going to look at her lessons for us, which are full of wisdom. Just her name, Eve, stirs up a myriad of emotions. Who is she? She's the first woman, yes. She's created from Adam's rib, yes. And for us women, she's a name that gets blamed once a month at a particularly distressing time. And a name groaned in agony for those of us who have experienced childbirth. Like every human created since Adam and Eve, Eve has a story. And like all of us humans, Eve's story sometimes gets one highlight in the movie reel One moment of failure that forms for us the capsule of what we know her as. She gets cast in the leading role of what not to do when a serpent comes along for conversation. But that is not all of her story. Now, last week, Chris reminded us that Eve was created by God as a woman. And she had value before she was brought to the man. Her worth did not begin when she was brought to Adam. She was worthy because God created her in his image just as he had created Adam. And as he showed us brilliantly last week with Eve, God saved the best for last. So let's dive into the word of God. But first I want to pray and ask the Lord to help me and to help us hear what he wants us to hear today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today, and we are grateful for how you love us, and we are grateful for how you demonstrate that love to us and how your word speaks of your love for us in terms that a mother has for her children, how you long to gather your people under your wings, and um, Lord, how you protect us, and, and Lord, all of this rich imagery that we think of a mother's love, that you have that kind of love for us, oh God. And so we worship you today, and we thank you for loving us with such a tender and a patient and a faithful love. And we thank you for this opportunity today to explore together the first woman, the mother of all living. We thank you that Eve is the woman that you ordained to be in the beginning, and we thank you for so much of her story that you have given to us in your word, and I pray that we would understand your heart today, that we would see your love, that we would see your holiness, that we would see your grace, and that we would see the wisdom that you have from Eve's story for each of us, and it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray, amen. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. We are mining from the garden, so we are still in the Garden of Eve. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 27. We're going to read verses 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So the first thing I want us to see is Eve's beginning was full of good. Now we've already um, rehearsed and been reminded that Eve was created in the image of God, just like Adam. But I believe that as a mother is faithful to teach those lessons over and over to her children, as a teacher reviews over and over for her pupils because we need that. We need constant review and reminders of Eve being created in the image of God. Because we know that patriarchy and man-made traditions um, have reigned for many years and have robbed us women who were created in the image of God, of the dignity and the worth that God gave us. And so we must remind ourselves, we must teach our sons, we must teach our daughters, we must, must look in the mirror, women, and remind ourselves that we were created in the image of God, that that is God's stamp of worth that was placed on each of us. Eve was not a token, she was not an object. Her worth was not less than the man's, her worth was equal to his. And in verse 18, we turn back and God said, "'It is not good that man should be alone. "'I will make him a helper, comparable to him.'" That was not to say, Who's better, Adam or Eve? Now, a dog might be a man's best friend, but human companionship is what God was speaking of when he said, I will make a helper comparable. And when Adam had that job of naming the animals, he saw male and female, male and female, male and female. But there was no one who was comparable to him. There was no one that was of his same kind. And so God's creation of Eve was to give a helper comparable to him. Now, the Hebrew word that is used when God created Eve is not the same Hebrew word that was used for the creation of a man. Now, when God created the man, that Hebrew word is is that he formed him like a potter forms, you know, clay. But I love this. The Hebrew word that was used for God's creation of a woman is that God fashioned her. So ladies, may that just release you, okay? You were fashioned. The man was formed. You were fashioned. Isn't that beautiful? I was like, all right, Lord, I love that. (laughs) The first thing she saw when Eve opened her eyes was God. She was fashioned and then God brought her to the man and Adam called her what God had already named her, woman. The Hebrew word for Adam is ish, and when Adam said she shall be called Eve, that was the word ishah. She was brought to the man, and finally he had a companion, someone that was of his kind, a co-laborer to enjoy the fruit of all God had created. She was God's crowning creation, And now, after the creation of Eve, at the end of Genesis chapter 1, God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. Together with Adam, she was blessed. Listen to all the things as we talk about Eve was full of good at the beginning, Because so often we skip, we go through creation and we get right to the, the temptation with the serpent. But let's backtrack for a minute because we're talking about her beginning that was full of good. With Adam, she was blessed. She was called to be fruitful. She was called to multiply. She was called to fill the earth and subdue it, to have dominion over the creation. She was given every herb that yields seed and every tree that has seeded fruit as food. And then listen to this good. This blew me away when I read this this week. Over in chapter two, it says, and out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So every tree that God had grown in the garden that was pleasant to the sight and good for food, this was all his provision for Eve so much good in this garden. And if I could paint, I don't have the gift that God has given to my daughter Chase and to other creatives, but I want to insert in here for all of us who are endowed, and truthfully, we all have creative gifts. You know, sometimes we think, well, the artist, they're creative, or the potter, they're creative, or the, the person that does drama, well, they're creative, but I do business, I'm not creative, or I teach, I'm not creative. But In this Genesis passage, we're reminded as God creates and as he gave all of this beauty and goodness to Adam and Eve and he created trees, specifically God said that he created them to grow, they were pleasant to the sight and good for food. So those things that stimulate our senses. Now, the enemy was going to take all that good and he was going to repeat that back to Eve when we transition to our second point about the sorrow and the pain that she experienced so the enemy was gonna try to make it seem like all that good is for you to experience apart from God. But God tells us right here that these things he created to grow and they were pleasant to the sight. So creatives, create beauty and always remember who you get that beauty from. That is from the creator, from God. So let us not believe the lie that Creating beautiful things that are pleasant to the eye and that are tasteful for us is something that is separate from God's good work through us. Now, in Genesis 2-7, we see that the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, formed man from the dust of the ground. And, And Dr. Evans, in his brilliant commentary, what a joy for me as I was preparing this sermon to have a commentary written by a black theologian, what a gift. And I was so grateful to be able to have the brilliance of his words. And Dr. Evans reminded us that God introduces himself to creation with L-O-R-D, which is Yahweh, if I get this correct, Chris. So the Lord God, this is God introducing himself relationally to creation for the first time. And I loved that because that is a setup for us to understand as we get to temptation because the enemy tried to take that away. When he talked to Eve, he didn't speak to her about relational God. So he was trying to separate her from her relationship with God as he came at her. But we must understand Genesis 2-7 that God is introducing himself relationally to creation for the first time. Now, second, let's move into Eve's deception because this is the part we think we're the most familiar with, and I say think. Let's read Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. That serpent was cunning. He was really good. And I think so often when we see this part of Eve's story, we focus so much on the fact that she was the first one to eat the fruit. And we don't know that it was an apple, by the way, so let's just also remind ourselves of that. The Bible does not specifically define the fruit, but for some reason, every arts, artist's depiction of the garden is an apple. So, so Chase and our artists, we, we need to give some more accurate depictions, because we don't know. We know it was that tree in the, in the garden, but we don't know what kind of fruit was on it. But I believe that we need to focus, as Scripture starts this passage, on the cunning approach of the serpent. Because as I just mentioned, as he raised confusion about God's specific word to Adam and Eve, he said, has God, not relational God, but but just God, because I don't want you to think about the relationship you have with him. I don't want you Eve to think about the fact that he formed you, that when you opened your eyes and God had fashioned you, that the first thing you saw was him. That you had a relationship with him because later on in chapter three, we're going to hear about how he walked through the garden in the cool of the day. So Adam and Eve had this intimate relationship with God and Eve had that with God before she was introduced to the man. So, But Eve, I don't want you to think about that because religion always wants us to focus on ourselves apart from a relationship with God. So the enemy started off his conversation with Eve by raising confusion about God's word. He misrepresented God. Now, I just showed us very carefully in the first two chapters that God created all of this bountiful good, a garden full of beautiful fruit and trees and things that were pleasant to the eye and and tasteful for food a garden full. Now, there was just one, only one tree restricted, only one. And I'm going to just insert here for the record that there are many future books that I believe God has for my husband to write. And one of my favorite is a message he preached years ago, and you're going to just have to preach the message again. But um, you put me on the spot all the time. So, you know, um, this is my opportunity and I'm loving it. But. <laughs> he has a message that talks about one tree and I envision this book as a white cover with just one tree on it because the emphasis of that message is that the enemy comes and lies to us and says God is holding out on you God is restricting you God is not fair to you when the truth is God gave Adam and Eve and let me rehearse it again for us a garden full full of beautiful trees, of wonderful things to see and to taste and to explore and to enjoy. But what did the enemy do? Came and cast confusion and a lie that God was restrictive and that God was holding out because the one, one tree that he restricted was not fair. When the enemy said, has God indeed said, he was omitting that relational name of God. He was setting Eve up from the get-go to distance her from relationship with God. And isn't that what sin does? It distances us from our relationship with God because sin separates. And that is the sorrow of sin. And so parents, as we instruct our children, may we not present God as the great restrictor as our man-made traditions have formed him as just the big fly swatter in heaven. Who's just waiting to just zap. He's just waiting to just zap you. That's all he is. Well, who would want to have a relationship with a being like that? So may we, as we're gleaning from this garden, remember that Eve is teaching us that God is has given us this beautiful place of of beauty and of of wonderful things to explore. And that, that one restriction for Adam and Eve, it was that tree of knowledge of good and evil. For us, it may be something else that God is saying, this is restricted from you because this is not good from you. This is not good for you. When she had been given great freedom, she saw God because of the enemy's confusion as holding something back from her. She believed the lie of the serpent that she could have her way without death. She believed that God's commands were not for her good. God gave a command and that command was broken and the consequences had to stand. But even in that, there was grace because God let her live. He could have allowed her to die on the spot, but he let her live. We, just like Eve, must decide what we want to do with God's commands. We can choose to keep them or break them. Since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God has continued to give us humans the power of choice. Deuteronomy 30 gives us a powerful passage that That Moses wrote to their people. He said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord, your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days. And that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. I love reading Proverbs because so often, you know, the writers of Proverbs just keep it real. And I think Proverbs are so instructive. I've encouraged my children often when we are driving. I'll say, hey, let's read the proverb for the day. If it's Proverbs, if it's, you know, May 10th, let's read Proverbs chapter 10. And I love it because Proverbs keeps it real. Okay. If you choose to uh, overindulge in alcohol, um, you're gonna be drunk and you're gonna have red eyes and someone who follows that path goes toward destruction. So here's the path. Now, if you choose the path of life, here's where that's gonna take you. And I believe parents that that is such a wise way to instruct our children, not to just tell them don't do that, but as God said to Adam and Eve, or he, he gave that instruction to Adam and Adam was responsible for relaying that to Eve. Don't eat from that tree of knowledge of good and evil because the day you eat of that, you will surely die. Now, their death was not immediate in the physical, but it was immediate in the spiritual and in the consequence and in the repercussions of that because of the curses and the sorrow that came upon humankind. And so again, you know, there's this option. Choose life, choose death. Make a choice. The, cho- the path of life will lead you to flourishing, but the path of death, will lead you to sorrow and despair. You know, 2 Corinthians 2.11, we know that, that verse very well. Paul says, we are not ignorant of his devices, speaking of our enemy, Satan. And some other translations say that those devices are schemes or designs or plans or wiles. Eve did not know the enemy's devices. She had not had experience from the written word of God with, it, with the serpent, Tempting her before then. But, brothers and sisters, we have the Word of God. And we have additional benefit. We have the Holy Spirit to convict us, those of us who are in relationship with God. The enemy uses the same tactics because they work, they continue to work. So, may we wise up and not be ignorant of his schemes. The serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, and Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 11.3, he's warning the Corinthian church, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. May May we be more disgusted by the lies and the power of the enemy's deceit than by the choices made by those who fall susceptible to his schemes." And I lament, I know that there are times that I have just been so angry at that individual, whether that's someone that's in my family or in my, my circle or in culture, and I'm just, how could they have done that? And I just can't believe, and I'm just going on and on and on, and, and rarely do I also go, man, I'm so grieved, and man, that enemy is crafty. Boy, his schemes are powerful, man. May we be more disgusted by him because the Bible tells us over and over and over, he knows his calling. He is, he is our deceiver and he is called that. He is called a liar that no truth is in him. So may we be more disgusted by those schemes and may we be aware of what schemes the enemy is designing for us and ask God to help us combat them with the truth of his word. That was given to Adam and Eve. They had the choice. As we transition, Eve was full of goodness at her beginning, but in this deception, it was so full of pain. And maybe we've minimized how painful this was for her, but She lost the intimacy of that relationship with God in the garden. And we know from last week, and I love the illustration of the tree of when Chris was hiding behind the tree, how futile to try to hide from God and sow fig leaves to try to make up. But she lost that first home. She had not known another home besides the garden. Later on, she lost in her family. She had the sorrow of losing not one, but two, her first two children. She lost her son Abel to Cain's murder and then she lost Cain because he was cast out from the presence of God. She also lost because of the fall, the fight to flourish would mark mankind's relationship to creation. So there would be constant struggle where Adam and Eve were called to care for the garden. So the work of tilling the garden was not cursed but it was multiplied. There would be constant struggle, their relationship, constant struggle with childbirth. There was so much pain. But thirdly, let's consider Eve's calling because her story did not end when she was deceived by the enemy. And many of us, that's all we capsule Eve as. Just like our stories don't just have one highlight real moment, neither does Eve's. Let's read chapter three, verse 20, and see the calling that God gave to Eve. Genesis 3.20 says, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Eve was called the mother of all living before she was a mother. Oh, the uncertainty of a calling with no history. Can anybody relate to that? Has anybody been called to do something and you're like, I don't know how to do this, Lord. She was the woman God ordained to be the inaugural mother. So the very first, unprecedented, had not been done before. God is not like us. He doesn't always call those that, man deems most qualified but he always qualifies those he calls That's right. That's right. Eve was called the mother of all living what has god called you I love Matthew 5:13 Jesus said you are the salt of the earth that is what we are called so may we let the flavor of god From our lives flow and benefit others. Matthew 5, 14, we are called the light of the world. And I shared with our graduate, Justin, yesterday. I said, shine whether people notice you or not. Don't let that light be under a bushel. You've been called the light of the world, so you shine. Ephesians 1, if you are ever struggling with the lies of the enemy about who you are and what your identity is and what God has called you, Float Ephesians 1 and 2. Here's just a couple of things that we've been called. We've been called chosen, so let that simmer in your heart when others leave you out. We've been called holy and without blame when we feel unworthy. For those who feel orphaned, God has said you are adopted as sons. You may be poor according to the world's standards, but God says you have an inheritance. And in Ephesians 2 We've been called alive, even when we were dead. Eve had to believe that she would be the mother of all living before she had conceived a child or experienced motherhood. This was unprecedented, and this is the beauty of God's grace. Just after Eve has had curses and sorrow doled out because there were consequences to sin, God is holy he does not change. And so after Eve has been told that in sorrow, multiplicity of sorrow, her conception would be, and that she would bring forth children in pain, all of these things about her destiny and her future that she maybe didn't even understand in the moment. After that sorrowful moment, she gets this declaration given to her Your name will be Eve, not just woman, but your name is Eve, mother of all living. And then after that, as we transition in verse 21, it says, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. We see a picture here of redemption because Adam and Eve had had sewn together fig leaves and their futile way of trying to cover themselves up after they had fallen and believed the lie of the enemy, Eve, being deceived and Adam willfully choosing to follow her and go against God's command. And and then they tried to cover themselves up with fig leaves. God clothed them with animal skins, which was a picture of both the animal sacrificial system that would come through the law, but ultimately... That was a picture of the sacrifice of Jesus that would not just kind of, kind of cover as Chris showed us with that tree and you can kind of see who, the sacrifice of Jesus that would take away their sin, our sin. God knew their need before they did. Eve would need more than fig leaves to cover her body. Before we know our need, God has given that provision. And so as we move into our final point, I want you to see Eve's continued story. Some of us have barely read into chapter four, the, the continued chapters of Genesis. But as Eve does fulfill that calling to become a mother, we see her naming of Cain. In chapter four, she says, I name him Cain, for I have acquired a man from the Lord. So she knows where Cain comes from. This son came from the Lord. And then she gave birth to his brother, and she called his name Abel, and he was a keeper of sheep. And then at the end of chapter four, after Cain and Abel in the saga of the first two children born, and parents cheer up, (laughs) Eve endured one son killing the other. What sorrow. And yet God was gracious and gave her another son. And she named him Seth. And here's her faith again for God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. Genesis 5 tells us that after Seth, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. And so we are going to assume and put our sanctified imagination in there because we don't see in the scripture that Adam had another wife. So we're going to assume that Eve was the wife who had those continued children. And when we count, it said that Adam lived 800 years in Genesis 5 and had other sons, plural, and daughters, plural. So if we add them up with at least a few, that, that's seven children that the mother of all living had, maybe more. But at the minimum, God blessed her with seven children. So God's calling for her was full of faith. And then finally, we see Eve's lessons. Mother Eve, what lessons do you have for us, the mother of all living? What do you have for us to learn? You know, there's that old saying, and I never was quite comfortable with it. Mother's know best. Any of y'all heard that? Well, I'm sorry to interrupt that saying, but in case you didn't know, that's not from scripture. There's not a scripture verse that says mothers know best. So mothers, take a deep breath. You're not responsible for knowing what's best for your children. You do not. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let the four Williamson and children say, amen. It is not up to Dorina to know what is best for us. That is too weighty a job, mothers, for you. The first thing I want us to learn from Mother Eve is that you are God's lovely creation. You, every person under the sound of my voice, virtually or in person, you are made in God's image. Secondly, We need to know that it was not good for man to be alone, that humans are made for companionship. And in this season of our church, as we transition through the summer, and I can attest because I'm married to the wonderful man that God has called to be the shepherd of this body, and I can attest because I'm I'm a good friend of all the staff families that they have labored so hard and so diligently, and they deserve a time of, of Sabbath. And so as we go into the season where we are not gonna see each other as much except for our Sunday fellowship together, I wanna remind you, because sometimes in our you know, culture today where we love worshiping together in the body of Christ, and we should, but we can begin to put a responsibility on the church for our companionship that is not entirely the job of the church. So I wanna remind you that you were built for companionship. And you can experience that even if we don't have all of the, the functioning programs during the summer that we may have had, not even last year, but the year before last, because we've walked through a pandemic. Some of us lean into companionship and community a little more than others. Some of us kind of like to take that, you know, I like to be by myself, peace. But I want to remind us that we, we were built for companionship. Adam saw the animals with companionship, like kind, and God provided Eve as a companion comparable to him. So we were built for companionship with one another, but most of all, for relationship with our God. Thirdly, I wanna remind you that you were created to fulfill a special purpose. And like Eve was called the mother of all living before she had conceived a child, your calling may not make sense. Like Eve, you may have never seen it done before. You may feel incapable you may feel unworthy, but faithful is he who called you who also will do it. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. Fourthly, from Eve's deception, brothers and sisters, we need to know God's word. And we need to not only know God's word and read God's word and dwell in God's word, but we need to trust God's word. Because our enemy is full of schemes and he keeps working his same ones because they are powerful. Like Jesus did, rebuttal the enemy's lies with the truth of God's word. This is where Adam and Eve dropped the ball, but we have the opportunity every day to do that. But then when you do fall short, because Romans 3.23 tells us that we have all sinned and fall short. So we don't put Eve in a category and say, shame on her, but I'm good. No, we all, all is all. We all fall short. Where sin abounds, Romans 5.20 tells us that grace abounds much more because Eve's story shows us that even after they had sinned and broken God's command that He still clothed them he still gave her a calling. Grace abounds much more. Let's also learn, brothers and sisters, that we cannot cover our sin when we do fall short. Run to the cross because only the sacrifice of Christ can clothe us with righteousness. We also learn, and this is hard, but regret and loss are painful realities of our choices. And from this fallen world, Eve had to leave the garden. As we glean from the garden, her story did not continue in there. And yet our hope is in the life to come and the one who is making all things new, Revelations 21.5. I invite you to go read those last few chapters of Revelations because it mentions the tree of life. God is making all things new. Eighthly, the mother of all living is not the source of living. Only God is. Eve was the mother of all living, but she was not the source. When we get it twisted, we get into trouble. So mothers, you may not always know what's best, but God does. So lead your children to him. And then finally, mothering, mama bears, nurturers, spiritual mothers. Mothering is a pilgrim journey. So look to your help. And I'm so grateful that Chris unpacked to us that our help, as we close with Psalm 121 that I want to read over you as a benediction, our help comes from the Lord and that word for him is the same word that was used for Eve, and that is azar. So let me close and read Psalm 121 as a benediction for you mamas because we celebrate and honor you especially today but for all of us who need to look to God to be our help. Psalm 121, God the help of those who seek him. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in. From this time forth and even forevermore. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the good work that you did in the garden. We thank you that Adam and, yes, our mother Eve were your good work. They were your good idea. Thank you that you formed Adam and that as your crowning creation, you fashioned Eve. We thank you, God, for her story. We thank you for the hope for the joy, for the goodness that she experienced from your right hand, from your creation. We thank you for the companionship that she experienced with Adam as they had authority over your creation, as they enjoyed all of the beauty that they could taste and see all around them in the garden. And God, we are sobered at the deception that the enemy threw at her and as your commands were broken by her mother. And God, we thank you for the grace that abounded that you clothed her, that you gave us a picture of the redemption that you had not just for Eve, but for all of us. God, we know on Mother's Day that often people tune in curious about what churches will do and and what will be said. And Lord, if there's anyone listening to the sound of my voice who does not know you, Oh, God, as their redeemer, that they are trying to put fig leaves over their life and patch up their hurt and their pain and the brokenness of sin and the destitution and the the struggle that has, has continued from the garden through the course of history. I pray that they would see in this story beyond our Mother Eve, the grace and the goodness of a God who is holy, who is just, and who loves And I pray that they would run to you, that they would let go of the fig leaves and receive the grace of your covering of their sin, that you restore, that you redeem, that Eve's story points us to you, O God, the source of all good. We thank you, God, for the good work you did in Eve. We thank you for the good work that we all represent. And I pray that we would know what you have called us as Eve was called the mother of all living. May we know what you have called us and may we walk confidently in that. We bless you this day, God. Thank you for being our Azar. Thank you for being our help. May we go to you for that help. I pray a special blessing for every mother today, Lord. I pray for that mother who is wondering if her labor is even worth anything, God. Today, she may be looking at her work and feeling that it is not counting for anything, Lord. I pray that she would continue the good work, that you would remind her, God, that her work is not in vain, that the seeds that she is planting, Lord, our spiritual mothers, the faithful seeds that they're planting, Lord, those women, those men who nurture in this body, God, that those seeds planted are producing good fruit and that they would keep going and not be discouraged. God, thank you for being our help. We need it, and we thank you for it, in Jesus' name.